This is Out of Office for Thursday the 24th of May 2012. Out of Office 2012. Welcome to the Out of Office podcast, where you'll learn how to work from virtually anywhere by using the internet for greater convenience, comfort, and freedom. Your hosts are Chris Pudney and Gihan Pereira. Hello, Chris. How are you? I'm well, thanks, Gihan. You're coming in crystal clear. Yes, I've got a new microphone. So a client of mine recommended this blue snowball microphone to me, and it's this big ball that sits on my desk, and this is only the second time I'm trying it out. So let's hope it works fine. It sounds good. <laughs> That's good. That's good. So today what we're going to talk about is a bit of an update on what's happening with the out-of-office work styles. Uh, uh, things have changed, and things continue changing rapidly. So we've titled this episode Out-of-Office 2012, and we'll talk about some of the things that have changed for out-of-office workers in the last six to 12 months. And the timing's not bad because we published our book about six or seven months ago. So there's some of the things that we talked about in the book that have changed. But in general, things have changed for an out-of-office work style as well. So that's what we'll, that's what we'll cover today. And I guess the, the way we'll start is by just briefly recapping the model that, that we talk about in the book. There are three types of out-of-office workers, the semi-commuter, the e-worker, and the digital nomad. So briefly, semi-commuter is a part-time telecommuter. The e-worker is someone like a full-time telecommuter, like you, Chris. And digital nomad is somebody who doesn't necessarily have a fixed office at all, which is someone like me. So we're going to talk about what's changed in the world for out-of-office workers, and we'll, we'll group them under those three areas. Sounds good. All right, so let's start with a semi-commuter, which, as I said, is a part-time telecommuter. So you might be working one or two days from home and the other two or three days uh, or three or four days in the office. So you typically would be, uh, you might have a, a typical, uh, like a home office, but also an office and in the office. And so you would sometimes be meeting with colleagues face-to-face and sometimes you'll be working from home and you may still have to uh, interact with your colleagues. So let's look at some of the things that have changed in that area. Chris, do you want to get going? I shall. And uh, one of the reasons for choosing a semi-commuter work style is the convenience that you get from it. Um, So you you get to work from home sometimes and you can uh, fit your work style around that. And one of the the things about the convenience is that you can time shift the way that you work. So time shifting is uh, moving around the time at which you do particular things. And one of the great time shifting tools that both Gihan and I use is a tool called Read It Later. And that's a, a cloud service where you maintain a reading list when you come across something interesting. Rather than uh, setting aside time to read it immediately, you put it onto your Read It Later reading list. It's held in the cloud. And then later, when you've got a bit of free time where you can actually do a bit of reading, you go to your Read It Later reading list and you start reading those articles that you've you've kind of bookmarked. And uh, once you've read them, you mark them as read and they disappear from your reading list. Now, in the last couple of months, Read It Later has gone through a big upgrade. It's now even changed its name. It's now called Pocket. Um, And along with the name change, they've done lots of changes to the way that your reading list is laid out. It's got a nicer presentation style. There's better handling of multimedia like images, videos, and audio. And they've got a nicer full screen reader. So um, if you've already made use of Read It Later, then you've been transitioned across to Pocket already. But if you need a really good uh, time-shifting tool for blog articles and uh, and YouTube clips, then go to getpocket.com and uh, give it a go. Yeah, and uh, as you said, Chris, both you and I use it, and I find it very, very useful for being more efficient with consuming information. Absolutely. So the second area you mentioned about convenience, and that's for yourself, but with the second area that you'd really need to 
be on top of as a semi-commuter is cooperating with people. Uh, and that can be in a number of ways. So it can be with email or instant messaging or online meetings. And uh, many of those areas have changed. Email hasn't changed a lot, but uh, certainly online meetings is one area where I've noticed now that almost every month there's a new online meeting tool coming out. And uh, I've been using online meeting tools for a while, but there seem to be new things coming up uh, regularly uh, i've seen a couple of new uh, almost webinar tools any meeting and meeting burner have come have come out recently and they're challenging some of the established tools like um uh, citrix go to go to meeting and the uh, webex which have been around for a long time um, and also something that i found recently is google hangouts so this is one of the features of google plus they have a very easy video conferencing tool called google hangouts which allows you to set up an instant video conference for up to 10 people and i think that's really good that's a game changer for google um, and it's one of the things that's going to make video conferencing really easy to use because it, it has been a while uh, that video has been available but most people don't like video conferencing they prefer teleconferencing especially in a business environment but i think things like google hangouts will make a video conferencing um, something that's easy and feasible and you know it's it's free so it's very very easy to use um, and as a result of that, I think uh, some of these other meeting tools uh, are now trying to, uh, are now adding video capabilities. Go to meeting for a long time hasn't had video, and now they've just recently added video. And um, I've heard rumours that Go to Webinar, which is the the big brother of that version of that tool, is not now also going to be adding video as well. Okay. And when it comes to audio, I guess the king of. Uh cooperation tools is going to be Skype, the voice over IP tool. And recently that was acquired from eBay, who hadn't really done much with Skype. Um, they hadn't incorporated it into their eBay service. That was bought from eBay by Microsoft. Um, and while Skype was already available for iPhones and iPads, and there was a client for Android, and I think it was even available on BlackBerry, it wasn't available on Windows smartphones. So since Microsoft have acquired Skype, uh, you can now make sh if you're one of the few people who has a Windows smartphone, <laughs> you can get uh, you can get to enjoy Skype on your Windows smartphone as well. Yeah, and look, the the last thing that we'll talk about in the semi-commuter area is something that I hate and I don't do much of, which is texting, <laughs> which is texting. So where there's like short messages. And I know, Chris, you use an instant messenger client that you have running on your computer because you you want to be in touch with, with your colleagues. Uh, but I don't use texting much, but lots of people do. Uh, and texting in the past has been expensive. Um, and... Now you can get them under under plans, which make it fairly cheap. But now there are even more tools for doing that sort of uh, instant messaging. So there's a there's a fantastic app which uh, I'm, I'm planning to get, and I keep thinking about. It, and I must get it, Chris. It's called WhatsApp, and it's basically it it replaces text and uh, SMS. It replaces SMS, and you can basically on your, from your smartphone you can send short messages to anybody else around the world uh, and at the cost of your normal data plan so it's essentially free once you pay for your data plan uh, Facebook itself has a messaging system which a lot of people use and that kind of replaces texting as well and so all of these things are making what used to be uh, very lucrative and very expensive SMSs so lucrative for the phone companies and expensive for us uh, it's making it free or cheap 
Yeah, I don't think the phone companies are particularly happy about this transition away from their SMS service towards these free texting services. I use Google Talk. That's been around for a while. Um, when I want to send like a text to Cherie, rather than sending her an SMS, I know that she's got uh, Google on her phone. We have the same Android phone, so I use Google Talk instead, and uh, it's it's much cheaper. It's essentially free because it's using data rather than uh, the, the SMS service. And I think you're right. I think the phone companies aren't happy with that. But what they'll do is that, that they sell your data plan, Chris. And it's the same as when Skype became really popular. Phone companies were worried about losing revenue through phone calls. But what they do is they sell Internet access and they sell uh, mobile data plans. Yeah, uh, but it's just that uh, the, co- the amount of money they get from you out of data is far less than they get out of you from... They're essentially gouging with SMS if you compare the price, aren't yes, they? Yes, they are. Yes, they are. <laughs> oh, that's a topic for another day. <laughs> <laughs> so those are some of the tools for the semi-commuter, who is a part-time telecommuter. Then the the next type of out-of-office worker is an e-worker. So this is somebody like Chris, who's a, a full-time telecommuter. So you don't, so you spend all your time away from the office. You don't spend any time in the office, except maybe occasionally once or twice a year when you might meet people at conferences or meetings. And so there's some things that have changed in the world of, the, of that out-of-office work style as well. That's right. Yeah. So uh, one of the reasons for choosing an e-worker type style uh, work style is the the comfort that it affords you Um, and one of the most important things uh, for an e-worker is your connectivity to the internet because you rely upon it so much more than say uh, the previous work style the semi-commuter you really need uh, a good broadband service and in Australia we have the NBN the National Broadband Network which is uh, a government subsidized scheme to roll out uh, optic fiber to all homes in the country and it's actually started to happen uh, and the NBN Co who are tasked with this uh, this deployment have a website where you can go and see when your suburb is going to be blessed with an NBN installation and unfortunately uh, for both you and me, Gihan, I've checked this out. We are kind of over the horizon. We're not even, we're not even on the plan at the moment. Oh no! <laughs> Good thing I'm a digital nomad. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, you're compelled to do that. So, uh, look, it has started to roll out, and some lucky suburbs in Perth and the, the rest of the country are getting optic fibre to the home. And um, but for you and me, Gihan, we're going to probably have to rely on wireless broadband, something like 4G. Uh, which we can t- we'll talk about later in the podcast. And uh, the, the other thing I was thinking about with uh, working from the comfort of your home is just working from uh, being comfortable in general. And one of the things that's increased is online shopping. Uh, so you may not want to spend the time to drive out to a shopping center and park and uh, walk through walk through the shops and uh, f- find us, find somebody to help you and then buy what you want and find maybe find that's not there. Uh, but you might be quite happy to do it online and just be happy to pay the postage and shipping charges, especially with some of the discounts that are available now. And in the last year, I found some research that said online retail has grown by around uh, about, about 30%, which is about 10 times the rate that traditional bricks and mortar retail is growing. And it's become such an issue that... Uh, recently, some uh, so local Australian retailers were striking deals with their with their overseas distributors to refuse to to sell online to Australian customers. Uh, so, they if you if you're an Australian and you went to those to those websites and you tried to order, they said sorry, you couldn't. Uh, you can't. You can't. We don't ship to Australia, basically. Uh, so they 
there's been some talk about this, some controversy about this. Uh, some people think it's illegal, and uh, they're asking the ACCC to look into this. Uh, and also, there's been a little bit of a surge in uh, there. There've been some. There are some organisations that will manage that for you. So you can uh, sign up with one of these websites, uh, and they will give you a US address. So then the the retailer will ship to the US, and they'll forward it, to, uh, and that company will forward it to you. And they just they just charge a small fee for that. And uh, I saw one report that said that some of those countries have seen a huge increase from Australian customers recently because of some of these things that are happening. Uh, and the other thing that happens is even if you do get your packages delivered, uh, they tend to be uh, delivered either by courier or by Australia Post. And the couriers, if, they, if you're not at home, then they will drop it off at Australia Post. And in, in my experience, Chris, Australia Post is pretty much still in the dark ages when it comes to managing things like that. Uh, if I take in one of those slips with a, and it's got a reference number on it, but I take it into Australia Post, I might be stuck in a queue for a long time. And then even when I give them the card with the reference number on it, they still sometimes struggle to find it uh, yeah. in, in, the, in their back room. So they're still not really uh, geared up for that. And in, in some ways, I can understand that because that that was never intended to be their, be their core business. Um, however, they, they're still offering that service and uh, they should be doing better. And uh, I saw a report recently that somebody else is, in, in fact, thinking of uh, seeing this problem uh, with Australia Post is planning to do things differently. So they, they are planning to allow news agents to be the place where you go and pick up packages. Uh, I think it's a news agency franchise or news agency chain where they're going to allow all their outlets to be places where you can pick up packages. And they often have longer opening hours than uh, Australia Post. They might be they might be entrepreneurs rather than government employees, so they might be more motivated to have a, a good system in place. And in general, it might be a convenient alternative to using something like Australia Post to have your packages delivered and picked up. Very good, very good. As someone who does a lot of online shopping, I can... Only look forward to improvements in parcel delivery. Something else that an e-commuter does a lot is collaborating with colleagues and clients. And so uh, we spoke earlier about the improvement in things like uh, the the collaboration and and uh, online meeting tools. So things like Any Meeting and Meeting Burner and the new uh, video conferencing using Google Hangouts and adding a video to go to meeting. So all of those improvements all of those improvements are driving, uh, making collaborating with your colleagues and clients so much easier uh, than it was even a year ago. I mean, uh, the other day I had a, 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 um, a quick uh, sort of spontaneous meeting with uh, a colleague in Switzerland and he was able to talk to me on the phone, but at the same time he shared his desktop through a tool that we all now have installed as part of our, our Windows operating system. He was quickly able to show me images of the sort of thing he wanted to have visualised uh, and it was just so easy and seamless uh, because uh, we now, as a matter of course, all have on our desktops uh, a, uh, an online meeting tool. Yes, and uh, one example that I've used recently, Chris, is uh, as I mentioned Google Hangouts earlier. So I'm using that now with my clients to set up some mastermind groups. So I've run mastermind groups in the past where people have uh, where people have come to my house. Uh, I used to host them here. And so we'd all be there physically. Uh, but now you can do that online. And using Google Hangouts, we've been using the, the online video conferencing to have people with the same the personal connection that you get with seeing people face-to-face, -face, uh, but also... Uh, they can be in other parts of the country. In fact, they're in other countries. I, the last one we ran, we had somebody from Canada, the UK, New Zealand, and then people around Australia. So it, it's very easy now to, to run those sort of collaborations. Uh, the, the technology no, no longer needs to get in the way. 
Yeah, that's excellent. And so what's happening here is that we're seeing this enormous growth in the collaboration industry. So new tools, new services. Uh, it's currently estimated to be a $1 billion industry, according to a survey, with it expected to triple to more than tripled to $3.5 billion by 2016. Uh, and uh, that was a link that you sent me, Gihan, and I read also in there that uh, in the Harvard Business Review, they suggested that corporations and organisations need to add a CCO to their executive suite, a chief collaboration officer, to make sure that large corporations do collaboration properly. It's not just about making sure that you've got all these tools, but that uh, the organisation knows how to use them properly so that the principles of collaborating effectively uh, can get the most out of this technology that, uh, as we say, is just going gangbusters from $1 billion industry now to $3.5 billion in a few years' time. Mm, mm. And following on from that, so collaboration is generally what you do with trusted people and, and small groups. Uh, the other thing that we recommend for e-workers, it's in fact a necessity, is to let in the world. So you, this is where you start using things like online forums and discussion groups and social media. Um, but when you do that, you've got to be careful about the, the way that you engage with people online. And one of the things that's increasing, probably not surprisingly, is an increase in online scams. As the ACCC in Australia uh, said that scams, that the losses from scams, Scams were eighty-five million dollars, uh, which was which was about a third more than in two thousand and ten. So that was last year's last year's figures, uh, and it increased by about thirty-five percent. So it's it's actually a very very big industry for criminals and a very big opportunity for them. So we need to be more careful than ever before. Uh, and it's not just Australia. In the US, uh, there's one estimate that said that online scams cost about half a billion dollars uh, last year, and countries like. like Closer to home, Singapore has also seen a spike in online scams. Uh, so, if so, you do you do really need to be careful uh, and just take precautions. Uh, don't trust anything. If if don't trust everything just because you see it or just because it seems plausible, and uh, if something seems too good to be true, it probably is. Right. <laughs> the Australian government set up a website called Scamwatch. They set this up quite a long time ago, Chris. I remember seeing it maybe even a decade ago. I can't remember exactly. Uh, so you can go to scamwatch.gov.au and they have updates on the latest scams that are affecting Australians. I actually don't like the, the design of that website. It looks like a bit of a scammy website <laughs> itself. Uh, really? Do they ask for your credit card number? <laughs> <laughs> Almost. They have these big, like, big graphical ads and they've got... Uh, lots of colors and it's one of those it, it looks like a tackily designed website which is typical of those some of those scam websites uh, uh -huh. rather than a professional or even just a staid boring government website doesn't look like that at all and um, but it's supposedly genuine and legitimate so it is a <laughs> it's a place worth checking out okay well talking about scams it used to be the case that uh if you were say using uh, an apple mac you didn't really have to worry too much about uh, being targeted by malware and, and scammers. But uh, in a recent report, it was found that uh, uh, viruses and malware focusing on Apple Macs has grown exponentially. And that's because, essentially, that the Apple Macs have become a much more popular um, desktop PC than Windows PCs. They're still kind of dwarfed by the amount of malware that's targeting um, the targeting Windows PCs, but it is increasing to the point where you start, you, you do need to be quite, um, quite careful, make sure that you've got proper antivirus and anti-malware software installed on your, on your Mac. And also, the, there was a recent um, high-profile 
virus, I think, or, or, or um, bit of malware called Flashback that wasn't particularly well handled by Apple. And I think that's part of the difference as well in that because Apple and Macs were small targets in the past, Apple didn't really have procedures in place for dealing with these sorts of things, whereas Windows has been targeted for decades and so they've got fairly good procedures for dealing with uh, outbreaks of viruses against their operating system. So if you're one of the uh, growing population of Mac users, make sure that you've got your antivirus software installed and up to date and that you're being extra cautious and not uh, as lazy as or as sort of comfortable as you used to be. But uh, if you're an Android user, well, uh, growth of uh, malware attacking or focusing on Android has... uh, is outstripping even growth in malware attacking Mac. So make sure that if you've got an Android smartphone or tablet that you have some kind of software in place and that you're cautious about what you click on uh, when it comes to installing software and responding to alerts. And I think phone and tablet users are particularly vulnerable because you don't see as much information on your screen. So uh, often, like one of the things that we used to say to people, Chris, was that you should always look when you go to a website. You should look at the web address that appears in the in the browser bar, um, in the browser's URL bar. Mm. But on phones, typically you don't see that, so it's very hard to see whether a link's legitimate. Or, you know, you can hover your mouse over a a link before you click it and it'll show you the link. Whereas on your phone and tablet, you just don't see that sort of information. So you've got to be especially careful. Yeah. And then the the next thing we'll talk about is something that's not to do with scams and viruses and malware, but it's just the fact that it's it's so much easier to be distracted now when you go online. And uh, it's something just to be aware of. So uh, you need to be more disciplined than ever before if you're if you're participating online and if you're letting in the world. Uh, so I've noticed recently that Google, as part of its big push for Google Plus, is pushing Google Plus pretty much everywhere into its other into its other properties. So if you're a Gmail user, for example, then when you look at your list of contacts, one of the options that you get is add this person to Google Plus or add them to your circles, um, and which is a Google Plus feature. So it's very easy to, to say, oh, I'd like that person in my circles, and you might add them, and then you might go and see what they're doing on Google Plus, and then uh, read some of their posts, and plus one, and comment, and share, and before you know it, you've spent 15 minutes doing something when all you wanted to do was check their email address to send them an email. So it, it is really important to be careful about things like that. Um, phones and tablets, uh, my phone is set up to automate automatically upload photos that I take to to my Google Plus account. Uh, and that happens whenever I'm in, uh, in Wi-Fi range. If I take photos with my camera on my phone, it'll upload it to my Google Plus account. It doesn't make them public, but the next time I log into Google Plus, it gives me the option to share them. Uh, and so it's tempting to, th- uh, to actually spend a few minutes doing that when, in fact, you may have been going on there for something completely different. So it's, this, these are not bad things. These are good features, but it isn't, uh, it's more, more important than ever before to be disciplined when you're interacting online. Yeah, that's right. I mean, some of the productivity advice that we've given in the past, Gihan, is about turning off the kinds of notifications from um, instant messaging tools and email tools that pop up and let you know that you've got a new message that might tempt you to respond to them. But this, uh, the notification from Google Plus is integrated into lots of Google tools, like you see it in Google Docs and Gmail. So if you're using lots of Google tools, then that notification is sort of there drawing your attention and as you say you need to be extra disciplined to avoid being tempted to be distracted yeah and i think that people have people have an idea that facebook and twitter can be time wasters but they generally don't think of things like gmail 
or Google Docs as being a time waster. And then suddenly there's an opportunity for you to be on there and you suddenly leak large amounts of time because of these new features. Yeah. Great. So the third area is a digital nomad. And that's somebody like uh, like me uh, who doesn't have a fixed office, even though I'm in my office at the moment. But it's somebody who can be uh, can be mobile and has a lives can have a mobile lifestyle. So my office is in my backpack. And as long as I've got my computer, phone and Internet access, I can really work from anywhere. And so there have been some fairly significant changes in the last six or 12 months that help digital nomads. And the first of those is mobile devices, which just keep getting better. So Apple have brought out the iPad 3, which is uh, an upgraded version of the previous iPad with uh, better cameras, higher resolution screen, a faster processor, all those kinds of goodies. Uh, Samsung has now overtaken Apple as uh, the leading manufacturer of smartphones. So Android smartphones overtook Apple iPhones uh, some time ago, but now just a single manufacturer, Samsung, is uh, the leader of the pack. And uh, most recently, uh, both you and I have upgraded our mobile devices. I got a nice uh, Asus Transformer Prime, so I really still need a keyboard when I'm interacting with a tablet. So the Transformer comes with a, a keyboard dock, which means I can type away on my tablet as well as detaching it and uh, touching the screen if I really feel the need. And I believe you've bought what's called, uh, is it an ultra, ultra book, Gihan? Ultrabook, Chris. Yeah, that's right, which is, uh, it's, a, it's a nice little, nice, very, very thin notebook. It's, it's like the MacBook Airs. So Apple, Apple users have had those MacBook Airs for a while and nice. uh, PC users more recently. And the, the two big things I like about it is one is it's very lightweight. Uh, it fits into, like, and, and slim. It actually would fit into one of those big A4 envelopes. Uh, so that's, that's nice. And it's got good battery life as well. Because it's got those solid, it's got a solid state drive, um, so it's got very, really good battery life. So probably half a day to a day on battery, and it's very fast because of the solid state drive. So I really like that. Excellent. And I believe you also uh, have scored a new Android phone. Yes, I upgraded from my HTC to my Sam uh, to a Samsung phone, uh, and only because the HTC has uh, some very restrictive memory limitations so i ran out ran out of how many apps i could install on it even though there's plenty of space on my on my external sd card uh you couldn't do that whereas with a samsung phone there is a lot of memory and i can install as much as i like so that's really given me the opportunity to install some apps that i wanted but i had to sacrifice earlier okay so you're making use of a lot of mobile broadband wireless i expect yeah and that's one area that's growing faster than other broadband so uh this is what we were saying that we're not too disappointed about the nbn not coming being over the horizon not being part of the plans yet chris because mobile wireless is, is certainly growing very quickly in other words access through your mobile phone yeah and uh, as far as 4g networks are concerned telstra have started rolling out the lte 4G network, which is uh, the fastest mobile broadband that you can get. I don't think uh, you're with Telstra, so I'm certainly not. Um, but I am with Optus, so Optus are also going to start doing that fairly soon. So we'll be enjoying uh, maybe much faster mobile broadband than we can get through uh, Copper ADSL. Yeah, actually, I'm with Telstra because what, the tablet that I've got was a Telstra tablet, but I, I don't think it's 4G enabled. Right, right. Something to look forward to then. Mm. And uh, when we get that, well, we can start making use of uh, the improvement in file sharing or um, file sharing is not quite the right word, but things like Dropbox and the new Google Drive service that allows you to store uh, files in the cloud. So Dropbox have done have 
increased, I think they've increased the amount of um, free storage that you get. They've also improved the way that uh, video and and photos and other multimedia are handled. And they've also introduced a, a service aimed at businesses called Dropbox for Teams, whereby you can have an administrator who takes care of how things are shared between colleagues within an organisation. And Google's long-awaited uh, foray into uh, cloud storage services has also been launched, Google Drive, and uh, I've started using that. It's um, it's integrated. It's it's a direct competitor with services like iCloud and Dropbox and Box.net, but uh, Google have also integrated it with things like Google Docs and with Gmail and with other and going to integrate it with other um, services they have like the Chrome operating system, which is a cloud operating system for really light lightweight ultrabooks, a bit like the thing that you've got, Gihan. So. Uh, that's another competitor, and how that how that plays against Dropbox. I think Dropbox is still the most popular and um, and probably the best service for that kind of thing. But uh, Google's going to enter the, make it's going to drive competition in that space, and it'll make it uh, interesting in the future. Yeah, it certainly it certainly will, and those those sort of things are becoming uh, more important now than ever before because we've got different devices, and we just need to be, have have automatic synchronization across them. Yeah, it's fantastic how that happens. Just uh, you pop these files in the right folder and they pop up on your tablet and on your smartphone and on your PC. It's really good. Yeah, that's right. And so the things we've talked about so far are still about personal productivity, so about um, you using mobile devices and you using mobile wireless access and you using the cloud. But the, And the next stage for a digital nomad is to be able to accommodate other people in your life. And uh, it means that because you're not always available, you need to you need to work with other people. And there, there have been a number of areas where that's uh, that's improved, but one of them that uh, I've found really, I'm finding, I'm going to find really useful in the near future, Chris, is the idea of using virtual assistants and using other people's support services within your organisation. Because one of the challenges with outsourcing or using other people is sharing passwords between them, um, and it's not necessarily that you don't trust them, but it, there is a challenge of sending people passwords. What happens when the passwords go out of date because you change them, which you should do regularly? What happens when they finish? a job and you need to change the password so they no longer have access. So those sort of challenges have always been there. And when you've got a distributed team, and especially when you've got teams that come together for individual projects, that's been a problem. But the LastPass service, uh, which I've only just started using, um, it, what LastPass does is it stores all your passwords for you, and then you have a master password. And when you use that, then it'll log you into other websites and other services. And it's just got a new feature that was announced recently that allows you to uh, share a password with some with another LastPass user. And they don't you don't even need to tell them what the password is. You just say, I want to share it with so-and-so, and then that password... Uh, or that login goes into their LastPass database, which means that they can log into that service. So if you've got a virtual assistant or if you outsource, for example, let's say you outsource some work on your website uh, and you want to give the outsource person access to your website, if they're a LastPass user, you can send them your password to the website. They never see it, um, but they can log in. And then when the project's over, you can remove that sharing, uh, you can remove that access and they then don't have it again. Very clever, very clever. And uh, particularly for me, because uh, my partner Sharon is going to be doing some more work with me, and that's one of the things that we need to do is to share passwords with each other. And uh, in some ways, it's easy because we can sit next to each other and write. I can write down the password on a bit of paper, which she can then burn when she memorizes it. <laughs> um, but using LastPass makes it easy because we just 
both become LastPass users, and then I can just share a password with her, and she has access to it all. When I change the password, she'll have access to the updated password, and it, it just becomes very convenient. She doesn't have to remember a lot of passwords, and I don't have to remember to, and I don't have to expose passwords by sharing them on bits of paper. Great, great. Well, finally, uh, as a digital nomad, you've got the opportunity to really embrace the world. So uh, get full access to the internet and uh, and interact um, and share and collaborate uh, fully in it. So we're seeing a lot of we're seeing a growing trend in uh, the tendency for people to share pretty much anything and everything, uh, and that's probably what prompted Facebook to acquire Instagram. And in the process, Instagram went from being something that was only available to Apple, iPhone, iPad users to being available on Android and other operating systems as well. But uh, it's always important to remember when you're when you're sharing not to overshare, to keep in mind things like safety and security, uh, your personal privacy and confidentiality. So always keep those aspects in mind when before you press the share or send or update button. One of the uh, really useful tools for sharing that uh, Gihan and I both use is called Buffer, and that allows you instead of when you come across something interesting going over to Twitter and tweeting it immediately, you can use the Buffer application to schedule when those tweets appear. So it's really handy, a handy way of, of sharing things because you just put it straight into your Buffer and then Buffer takes care of scheduling that tweet at a later time. Um, and you mentioned the thing about embracing the world, Chris, is, uh, is you have the opportunity to live a more mobile lifestyle, and which means that you not only that, that you work in internet cafes in your own town, but you can uh, live anywhere in the world. And I've noticed more recently that there are more and more of these lifestyle business blogs cropping up. So things like the Suitcase Entrepreneur, the Lifestyle Business Podcast, the Smart Passive Income blog. So if you're interested in uh, working from anywhere, working virtually, for, working from virtually anywhere, then some of these resources are, are fantastic. There are some great resources. Uh, many of them are free. Uh, I think maybe Tim Ferriss's book, the, the Four Hour Workweek, kind of started this trend. But now there are a lot of people who are talking and blogging and podcasting about that. They sell products as well, but you can get a lot from just their free resources. Very good. And someone else who's made note of this increasing trend for people to lead a digital nomad style of work style are criminals. So (laughs) digital nomads might find themselves traveling quite a bit and working from hotels. Now, using hotel Wi-Fi is not always the most uh, sensible in terms of financially sensible ways of accessing the internet, but sometimes you're compelled to because uh, you don't have the opportunity to use cheaper, uh, better services. So criminals have uh, come up with malware that uh, tricks you into thinking that you're receiving an operating system update and uh, a few people have fallen foul of these uh, these scams and have clicked on uh, the updates whilst they're on hotel Wi-Fi and have found uh, malware getting installed on their smartphones, tablets or PCs. Yes, so again, it comes back to what we said earlier about just be more careful because things like scams and viruses and malware, they're just increasing because more and more people are using the internet and so there are more opportunities for for nasty people to to trap those who aren't who aren't wary and who aren't careful. Indeed. All right, shall we wrap it up, Gihan? Mm, go ahead. Sure. So, uh, look, 
I think this is something that we ought to do regularly because uh, I guess when it comes to 2013, many of the things that we've talked about uh, today will be old hat and they'll have been upgraded or improved or there'll be brand new services and technologies available. So I think we should schedule something similar in 2013, uh, something for our listeners to look forward to and uh, do it all again uh, next year. Yeah, that would be great. And I think uh, the one thing I'd say is that if you're thinking about an out-of-office work style, then things keep getting better and better. So it's becoming easier and easier for you to do that if you make the choice to do that and if you can persuade your employer or even your clients to to accommodate that sort of work style. It is becoming more and more um, feasible and uh, available for everyone to do that. Indeed. Well, good speaking to you, Gihan. Yes, and uh, maybe we should do one little plug for a book. If you go to outofofficebook.com, you can get the book. It's available in print form and in ebook form as well. Very good. Thanks, Chris. Bye for now. Visit our website at outofofficebook.com where you can read all our show notes, subscribe to the podcast, and get our book out of office. We wish you all the best in creating the work style of your choice.